do bumper stickers make a good philosophy of life? Stick with me as we dig into that. Slava Isusu Christ, glory to Jesus Christ. This is your host, Christopher, with the Ukrainian Fire Chaplain Show. If you haven't already, check out our website, www.theufcshow.com. Learn a little bit more about us, some of the platforms that we're on, and ways that you could support us if you were interested. We remember, I kind of finished episode two with the you know, preface that this episode, we're going to be asking the question, are there easy answers in life? I think most of us are honest enough to know that the answer is no, that bumper stickers and fairy tales and easy endings and the like, you know, those kind of fade away as we get older and quit being children. We, uh, we realize the world is super complex in some of my business studies, you know, one of the ways this would be explained is that there's really very rarely something called monocausal thinking. There's very rare circumstances in our lives where one thing and one thing alone influences our decisions, whether that's stopping to get coffee on the way into work, what we're going to do for dinner which place we're going to stay at when we go to vacation. Um, you know, even in aspects of, of church life, there are multitudes of factors in prudential decision-making that influence our decisions. So just because we recognize that in decision-making, we should also realize there is a parallel there in other influences and in other aspects of our struggles, of the challenges, of the fears that we all face and that we all have. So the theme that I'm going to work on is the question, you know, are there easy answers? We studied a little bit of the uh, witness of Father Michael Judge, who was the FDNY chaplain and the first official casualty of September 11th. It was a Catholic priest who died being struck by the debris while ministering to dying firemen and dying citizens right there in the base of the tower of uh, the World Trade Center. What I am going to have us look at today is another hero and someone I am proud to call a good personal friend and mentor. His name is Mike Staley. He is a all-American hero and model for the fire service. He was a major inspiration for me getting into the profession and for continuing to develop myself to uh, finish additional graduate studies, to love the trade, and to love and serve people at you know great cost. Who is Mike? What is his story? That's what we're going to get into. But I do want to go ahead and hint, there's a good chance, keep sticking with me, that we are going to have Mike on this show in a forthcoming episode as a guest for me to interview. So Mike was a uh, paramedic firefighter. He was a fire officer, if I recall correctly. At the time, I believe he was a lieutenant 
who was an acting uh, battalion chief for his fire department in Florida. One of the days that he was working a part-time job on his day off on the ambulance, he went through a terrible tragedy. Myself, uh, as I had mentioned in my challenge to you in episode one, uh, I have worked through and led the EMS team that, uh, you know, responded to and cared for my youngest son when he went into cardiac arrest. Um, that was caring for a family member. And it is one of the worst fears that most of us have in our profession. Earlier this year, when I was teaching some emergency management classes uh, to assist a state agency in some ongoing education, I asked a lot of the students, you know, what their worst fear was. And more than half were pediatric calls. Some were mass casualty, some were injured public safety officers, but most of them were injured kids. Where Mike fits into this is we all still want to think that it won't happen to us. And the beautiful story that Mike has to tell us that we're going to dig into is that the tragedy happened to him. He was forced to face the finality of his own life. And that's something that all of us will face and that we need to start preparing for now. Uh, Mike and I uh, have a background in the profession that makes it, you know, impossible to completely ignore death and suffering, but we still want to say it will never happen to us. So what is his story? So Mike Staley, as I said, was a uh, paramedic working on an ambulance on a part-time job at a racing track where he responded to a multi-car wreck, uh, where one of the drivers involved ultimately would, would die from the injuries. Well, while Mike was caring for one of the injured racing car drivers, uh, another car racing back to the flag lost control at over 100 miles an hour, and it crashed into the car Mike was standing next to as he was caring for the driver. Mike flipped multiple times through the air. He eventually became pinned and trapped under the car that hit him, and he had to spend over a year learning how to walk, reuse his arm and ultimately this injury cost him his career in the fire service some of the specifics he ended up being pinned under the vehicle trapped under the exhaust manifold coming out of the side and in a moment's notice he went from being one of the most highly trained and seasoned paramedics at the top of his game to being the victim the hero helper is now the patient victim There were over 100 fractures in one arm alone. He suffered first, second, and third degree burns to various parts of his body. Both of his kneecaps were shattered. Both of his legs were fractured. And they did not know if he was going to survive. Uh, One of the sayings Mike shared with me about his fire department there was that uh, no good news travels by helicopter. And, you know, Mike is there in and out of consciousness hearing a helicopter saying man that must have been a really bad wreck i'm worried about the driver and his friends are saying nobody that's for you that chopper is your ticket it's um you know it's quite surreal for him to realize that the the helicopter crew was landing for him and one of the one of the things and stories that he would later recount was that he was just searching for a little bit of strength 
wondering if he was going to live or die. Um, and, and early on after, after, uh, the accident and his recovery, Mike made the statement that, uh, he was not so much afraid of death as he was afraid of not living. And that's a quote I want to focus on. And I want to, to, uh, get into in this episode, there is a, another quote, the most terrifying experience was not being in control of my life. And how much can each and every one of us relate to that struggle? We do not want to admit to ourselves that we really have so little control over the things that happen in our lives. I think sometimes we have more control than we want to give ourselves credit to. And we want to blame fate or the universe or providence or blame God for things that are ultimately, you know, our decisions for putting ourselves in situations to get injured. Um, and there is a, a great book on that. Maybe I'll get into on uh, recognizing when and how evil happens and when and how we put ourselves in circumstances to fall and make terrible choices. And I'll get into that in a future episode, but for, for Mike's story, there is a lot here. We have a, a fireman at the top of his game he undergoes a near-death experience. His career is over. And I can tell you that most people could easily fall into a black hole in a pit at this time. His whole world was over. His career, obviously, had amazing friends, uh, an amazing life, and a support system. But his whole life, was changed in the blink of an eye. What, uh, what do you guys think? How, how do you think? I mean, I met Mike a couple of decades after this happened. He was a, uh, a customer of the company I owned at the time. And Mike was someone deceptively humble. I never knew this whole backstory of him. Uh, he would eventually go to work for a federal agency with uh, a family member of mine uh, long before I would ever know him. And on talking with him as a customer and taking care of him, I, I was shocked. Like, you would never know this guy had his world torn apart and rebuilt it all by himself. Um, he is a, uh, I, I believe, a uh, Roman Catholic, and there's some interesting aspects of uh, his devotion and his faith that I hope to get into when we can have him on the show. But there are just so many things that you would never have imagined. So one of the questions that I want to preface with is, you know, should we be afraid of death? And uh, to speak in most layman's language possible, a bunch of the questions that I have are, you know, can Christians long for death in any possible way? Can a Christian desire to die? Is there something we're missing in ourselves or in our lives that is driving a fear of ours about death? And the last question is, is there any answer that can satisfy us? 
you know, with Mike's statement, I was not afraid of dying. I was afraid of living. There's some pretty profound insight that I think we should reflect on. You know, whether you're a person of faith, a person that shares a different faith than my own, maybe you're an agnostic or an atheist. As I had mentioned before, I spent a, a good part of the first half of my life as a quite radical uh, Marxist atheist. I called myself the evangelical atheist. And I approach this perspective from both sides, both one of faith, one of no faith, uh, both one of having an informed perspective and one from just pure, raw human emotion and, and worldly understanding. It's, it's very difficult to make sense of all of this, and it's very difficult for me to put it all out on the table and demonstrate it for you. And for those of you who are interested, there is a, a work written back in the middle of the 20th century uh, called Introduction to Christianity by Joseph Ratzinger, who was a young uh, priest at the time. And I think there's a quote that maybe we'll get into in a future episode here. Um, you know, death is, uh, in reality, something that's very much the same for all of us. However, we don't approach it with the same disposition. We don't approach it with the same philosophy. We, most of us, do not approach it with an awareness that as subjective believers and participants in the world, um, we are more or less open to the reality and everything entailed with death. I uh, used the example earlier of a, a my, of Mike being um, you know, a paramedic and, and such as myself, those who work in public safety, particularly in EMS, but also in fire and law enforcement, that we kind of see all that is entailed when a person is injured all that is entailed when a person's life is, is flipped through the air like this. We know what the hospital system experience is going to be for them. We know some aspects of what their recovery is going to be. Uh, we understand uh, the, the likelihood of the emotional struggles. We, we see that. We live it. We work in it in a way that uh, Joe, the Blow, Joe the Blow landscaper does not. You know, he doesn't really have a clue to all of this unless someone personally in his own life has been through this. But it's our our uh, our trade to to make this part of ourselves, to make this reality something that we work through in advance so that we can care for people. So I have another question. Who is not afraid of dying? You know, yellow flag on the play. Mike said he wasn't afraid of dying. What is he talking about? And I think that's something very interesting in the early church fathers, that is the Christian pastors or the Christian leaders of the first few centuries, back when the believers were in the catacombs and often executed by the Roman government for their faith. One in particular comes to my mind, Ignatius of Antioch. You know, uh, can a Christian really say they're not afraid of dying in any sense? Um, obviously, not in all senses, we do have that natural disinclination. Nobody wants to uh, really experience that murderous torture of, of death and separation. Uh, there is a loss there, whether that's a, a temporary loss um, or an eternal loss, but th there is that sense that we have that bodily inclination and opposition to, because in a real sense, although death is normal, we ask, is it natural? Was it supposed to be part of the order of the world that we live in? Do we not all... Uh, kind of revolt at the the trouble of it, even though we would say, you know, death is one of those things like taxes that's guaranteed. Uh, is that really is that really true? 
was there a point when there was no death in the world? But while death is a absolutely terrible reality, let us look at it from a different perspective. It's an occasion of change for us. Now, I'm not talking about the occasion of change because, you know, some say that we die and go to judgment and then heaven or hell. We will get into that in later episodes. What I'm talking about is that death is this transitional experience where we go from something we have absolute certainty of what is going on. I can take my hand and pound the table. I can take my chair and throw it out the window. Although, of course, my neighbor is going to wonder what the heck I'm doing. I can go to the refrigerator and get a cup of, uh, you know, uh, chocolate milk or I can go to the cabinet and get some bourbon. I have control or at least I think I have control over my life. And now this thing called death, I'm going to undergo this experience and I don't have a tangible physical way I can touch and feel clue about what happens after that. That is what the natural man says. And that is what modern man says. So it's an occasion of change. What am I talking about? I'm not saying that we become great spirits and fly off into the realm of the clouds or something like that. When I say it's a change, it's not like we're going to come back and reincarnate, although that would be a great show topic to get into in the future. Death, however, is the occasion of change for us. In a certain sense, it's the the possibility of triumph or judgment. It's the loss of an essential aspect of ourselves, our body. But the real meaning is that it is when we are no longer in control. And uh, we have to ask ourselves, should death really being should death really be the, the driving decision-making principle in us? Oh my gosh, we're going to lose everything. We're going to go into oblivion, you know, like that Tom Cruise movie. Or is death just a reminder that we really have to face ourselves? And I think that uh, Mike's experience, there, there is a real profound challenge that the more we ask ourselves, what happens after this point? that we actually begin to really start living now. And with Mike's quote of, I wasn't afraid of dying, I was afraid of not living, uh, I can say working in the field with my contact um, as, a, as a chaplain and a first responder with people in every aspect of a related profession, working at the hospital, in various forms of public safety, that you know it's not about whether you make it to 97 years of age or not. You know, one of the greatest tragedies that first responders see is not so much how uh, people die as it is how people live lives that are not worthy of living, how people struggle, not just for the physical, natural life of, of hunger and shelter, but how people do not even seem to have a clue sometimes of the amazing importance of virtue and of care for one another, of care for themselves, houses that are worse than dumpsters, uh, absolute apathy for one's family members laying, you know, in agony while the floors are covered with pet urine and we're as teenagers too busy playing video games. This is a reality that I have seen firsthand and that most of us uh, have seen firsthand. And when Mike is saying, I am not afraid of dying, I think he's on to the fact that there are more important things than, uh, than death. There are certainly more important things. And 
for someone who loves living and loves trying to pursue the good life of virtue, uh, it's very heartbreaking to no longer be able to manifest that uh, principle of living in the world and to share that with other people. So what do you guys think so far? Should we, uh, should we fear God? Okay, stop. Let's say, you know, we're not a person of faith. Let's say we're an agnostic. Um, we don't even know the scripture. We haven't studied all of this. You know, what should we really be focusing on if we're just trying to approach this from as natural of a human perspective as possible? And I want to go back into Mike's story again when he was in recovery and the moment where he admitted the, the scariest thing he experienced was not having self-control. He was now the patient in need of the physician. And this points us to uh, a track that we need to pursue. And I'm talking spiritually here, right? Have we ever not been the patient in our life? Um, are we our own divine physicians? Because if we are our own divine physicians, then we have the answer to death and we understand all of that. We have the answer to what lies beyond the veil. Can we admit though, we don't have these answers. I don't have this answer apart from faith. I don't even have with faith an exact understanding about the experience that's going to happen to me. This is your host, Christopher. If you like today's episode, give us a thumbs up and subscribe. Also, click the bell for notifications on future content. If you haven't already, check out our website, theufcshow.com, ways that you can support us and find us on other platforms. Until next time, 